the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, invested, and more. Dedicated to getting you to retirement. It's getting a little bit easier these days, right? Just buy stocks and they just go higher. It's been a good first half of the year considering COVID was involved and there was a massive bear market that ravaged us. But as we look at July 13th, more than halfway done with the year, we go, oh, we're having a good year. Um, And again, it just rolls on. SP 500's up 20 this morning. The Dow's up uh, 213. That's about six tenths, seven tenths, eight tenths of a percent between the two of them. Nasdaq's up, supersize, supersize me. Do you remember when McDonald's did that? They invented supersizing. Wow. America's gift to the world. <laughs> supersize me. Um, yeah, we can consume calories in the United States. No. No. Apple's up $13 in what I could just – it looks ridiculous. It was either ridiculously underpriced at the beginning of the year or ridiculously overpriced today. If you believe that Wall Street is a discounting mechanism, um, I own shares of Apple. And I'm telling you, that's just – Amazon. You don't have to – you can share the glory Apple, right? Well, Apple's up almost 3.5% today. Amazon's up just a boring, paltry 2.1%. Both of them better than the market. Again, showing you that there's an affinity for wanting to own these things. Ah, that word affinity brings up a a dirty word in my mind. Affinity credit cards. Those are the credit cards that are tied towards, uh, like if you like the San Jose Sharks, you can get a San Jose Sharks credit card. Um, not me. I like the most discounted uh, credit cards out there, or the ones that give you the most back. So um, that's out there. So we got the markets in the green. Um, another nutty story. I, again, I, I'm finding these stories that are nutty to be uh, slightly interesting. Um, Tesla's rocket and rolling today. Again, is there going to be a great reason for it? It's okay. Uh, you know who I feel bad for, the people who predicted that Tesla would go lower. <laughs> okay, I don't feel bad. The people who are short in the stock, but hey, it seems like it's not fair with what's happened with Tesla, Apple, and Amazon. If you don't own them, it, they don't seem to go, they don't seem to give you a chance to get in. And if you don't like them, they don't seem to go down. Tesla hit an all-time high this morning, up 12%. <laughs> Remember I was talking about Apple up 2.5%. It's like, whoa, 3.5%. Market's up 2%, uh, 1.5%. And you're like, that's that's what's the market seeing today here? 
Tesla hits a new all-time high. There's a rumor. It's a rumor that they're going to be added in the S&P 500. You know why? Because they're the 10th largest company in the United States right now. As far as market valuation goes, they should be added. <clears throat> Do they contribute that much to GDP? No. But their worth is high. As the company's valuation climbs ever higher, we'll go higher and higher. The speculation that will be added to the S&P 500 is almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because as they get worth more, it, it you look around and go, why aren't they in it? Interesting, right? Stock's up over 55% in July. <clears throat> okay, wait, wait, wait. What did Rob Black just say? Tesla is up 55% in July. Did they have a bad June? No. Like when I say we had a, a, a great April compared to March, you're all March were down 40%, so we could have been just a bounce, right? Now, Tesla hits an all-time high. Uh, for the year, how much is Tesla up? 300%. Okay, wait, 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 wait. What? Three, okay. Anyhow, um, there's always going to be someone who has like – it's really cute. If you if you think Wall Street's going to go higher, you're bullish on Wall Street. If you think Wall Street's going to go lower, you're bearish on Wall Street. Um, some of the people who think Tesla is going to go shorter, one of them is a guy named uh, Larry McDonald. Old McDonald. I don't know. Uh, he writes the Bear Traps Report. I just like that – you know, the Bear Traps Report. <laughs> I don't know. So another good day. Positive news on the vaccines out there. Well, okay, let's do the positive and the negative news. Florida reported 15,299 cases, again, showing you that the people who wanted to reopen, uh, as long as we're good with these numbers, we seem to be hiding from them for a long period of time, and now we seem to be seeing them. Uh, the, the reason I'm saying this is the, the 15,000 was a staggering number. It's the biggest number that we've seen in new daily cases. Um, and 15,000 in Florida, 60,000 in the, in the United States for three days in a row. It's, we are no f better long. Well, I, I don't, can't say that the herd immunity doesn't seem to be sticking or something work. This just is an odd head scratcher. Positive news on the vaccine front, Pfizer and German and biotech company, BioNTech, BioNTech, um, <clears throat> were granted fast-track designation by the FDA for two of the company's four vaccine candidates. So Pfizer's moving higher. BioNTech's moving higher. Uh, every week we seem to be getting a couple of companies. There's, there seems to be three to four that are really gaining the headline news. Uh, Novavax, obviously. Moderna. Uh, Pfizer got in on it. BioNTech is in there. So will one of them get it? Will two of them get it? Who's going to get the cure for cancer? Hasn't been done quite yet. At who's going to get the cure for COVID? Uh, we think we can do this one. So from what I've heard from scientists, people with college degrees. Oh, and you know what's interesting? I saw something and it was, it was an interesting conversation. 
Um, I buy <clears throat> generic anything I can, generic toothpaste, because I would buy generic gasoline if I can, and, and you can in country, states, countries, countries like uh, California. <clears throat> California has a mandate. Their gasoline that is sold has to be a certain level. So there's no difference in the gasolines. If you're paying more, you're just you're well marketed too. <clears throat> there's a company called Rotten Robbie's and a company called Costco, who well, I'll take the off brand, right? I think it's kind of important to go off brands on occasion. But th- there was a study that said people who wear masks are college educated. People who won't wear masks and who think that there's a conspiracy, high school educated. People who will buy, <clears throat> you know, the brand name Tylenol. High school educated people who will buy the generic Tylenol college education degree. I, you can't say that's completely straight across the, the, the panel, but interesting, right? I don't know. Starting to find some interesting stuff here or there. Analog devices offered to buy Maxim Integrated for $21 billion. That's a big semiconductor company. And after the you know 10-year run that semiconductors had for them to look at each other and still find love and say, I, I want you. I want to buy you. You're still working for me? That That's positive. Uh, Carnival and, and Disney, both very interesting reopening plays right now. Disney reopened in Florida, and uh, there wasn't a lot of social distancing. <laughs> so I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, more. Find me at newfocusfinancial.com. Big webinar this week. Whoa. I'm Rob Black. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Little Mumfords and Sons bringing us into the break. Hopefully you had a nice weekend. Hopefully you're a little bit more recharged um, we are marching ever so closer to the election season. I try to find things that could maybe upset the market. <clears throat> um, you may look for other issues. I look at things that are coming down the road as best as I can. Um, last week, the S&P 500 was up 1.7%. Today, it's up that in one trading session. Last week, the NASDAQ was up 4%. Today, it's up... Two percent. It's it's. You get the point here. We're ha- we're already starting a good week after last week. Last week's good week. So let's talk about an area that that we're hearing a lot of talk about right now. Um, Twenty five years ago, I correctly and rightfully were involved in two of the hottest sectors: tech stocks and financial stocks. I've always liked financial stocks. It's really easy to explain a financial stock to people. Um, there's three types. Typically there's insurance company, there's banks and there's brokers, stockbrokers, right? Now all those institutions have had their walls removed and they could all kind of merge with each other. So you could have your insurance guy sell you investments. You could have your investment guy sell you insurance. You could have your bank sell you brokerage stocks, your brokerage stock could sell you insurance. Like, um, <clears throat> Bill Clinton did deregulation in the financial industry. In large part because the rest of the world was doing it and it was the 21st century. And with the barriers to entry coming lower and lower, eh, maybe we're protecting some of our own as well as just being realistic of the side of the times. Now, I look at the S&P 500 versus the bank stocks. You can, you're going to use metrics in your life, right? 
if you hire a financial planner, you're going to say, I want you to beat the markets, or I don't want you to beat the markets. I just don't want you to, to underperform the markets, or I don't know what your mission is per se, but you're, you're always setting up comparative uh, metrics. S&P 500 in last year is up 7%. The S&P 500 banking industry is down 25%. In the last five years, the S&P 500 is up 55%. The S&P 500 banking industry is just up 2%. In the last 10 years, the S&P 500 is up 195%. The S&P 500 banking industry is up 80%. That doesn't seem fair. Bank stocks should be better than that. Now, I don't, I don't have a high concentration of bank stocks in my personal portfolio. I, I would say it's very nominal. But 25 years ago, I would have predicted I would have more bank stocks. <clears throat> if I were to go back in time, you know, you know, this weekend I traveled back in time. Oh, you were just sitting on the couch watching television. So I traveled back in time. I would have said, Rob. Financial stocks don't turn out like you think they are. Go with the S&P 500. Your whole idea that, like, one idea that I had was, like, it's easy to explain these guys. If you have an insurance policy with an insurance company, call it health insurance. Call it car insurance. If you stop paying your monthly bills, they cut you off. They say no insurance for you. The beauty about them is that they've gotten pretty good at predicting who's going to use insurance and who's not. How many claims are going to be brought in versus how many not. Now, on a weird occasion, there's things like massive hurricane seasons, which, for the record, they're saying we're going to have a big hurricane season. You know, I said there's a couple things to think about. Earning season is coming back up right now. The political season, the elections just in November, which now that we're more than halfway through the year, we're near there. There are some reports this weekend, and this one I, I giggle at because I just I, I almost want to see it. It's the, the report was if Biden wins. America is going to have to man that Trump resigns the next day. Otherwise, he's going to burn down the White House before the inauguration happens. Kind of want to see that in a weird, funny way, only because I couldn't imagine actually seeing it. But I don't really want to see it. Anyway, um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. I'm talking right now about financial stocks. And if I can go eight, 25 years ago, I would have said, you know, I totally expect to be worth $5 million in 25 years. And I expect bank stocks to be 25% of my wealth. And I expect uh, tech stocks to be 25% of my wealth. <clears throat> I thought that was the way it was being set up for. I don't know if 9-11 changed the world forever. Because that sounds really dramatic. Um, but we've had low interest rates for 20 of those 25 years. Where it, despite, it seems to march lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. And then the Federal Reserve yet last uh, month said, we're not going to raise interest rates till the end of 2022. And I'm like, holy mackerel. So I can't really own financial stocks until the end of 2022. Well, now that's when they can outperform the S&P 500. It's in a rising interest rate environment. Within reason. Rising interest rate probably means the economy has been heating up and there's been some inflation. Economy heating up, that means wage inflation, that means cost inflation. There's good inflation, there's bad inflation. So <clears throat> when you take a look, I don't know if you want to take a ride per se, on financial stocks, you hear a lot of value. And if you turn on CNBC or even if you listen to this station, you'll hear people go, wah, 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 wah. tech is overvalued. Wah. 
uh, financial stocks are undervalued. Like everyone has an opinion. That's fine. I'm not knocking anyone. I'm just saying, you know, build the case and be comfortable with it. I, I, I'm happy that I didn't overweight financials. I'm happy that, you know, everything's turned out well in my life. I'm happy that, but you can see that 25 years ago, I thought I was going to have more wealth in financial stocks and it just ain't happening. And until interest rates start rising, I think the industry can do well. And we're going to look at it quarter to quarter. So guess what? Earnings season starts for banks on Tuesday. Wells Fargo, Citigroup, JP Morgan Chase. They're big money banks. Um, the financial industry in the 1980s and 90s went through a lot of consolidation. And then it was left with bigger players. And the bigger players have gone through some consolidation. Um, notice that JP Morgan has got a word chase tagged on to the end of it, right? Um, just throw that out there. Okay, so back to Amazon and Netflix. Um, Amazon and Netflix both announced by Citigroup and Goldman Sachs um, some new high price targets. There's a weird thing that's going on here, and let's talk quickly about it. Analysts announcing new price targets. The way Amazon, Netflix, and Apple have moved this year, and Microsoft as well, they've way outperformed markets. When I tell you Tesla's up 50% in one month – it's never too late to get wealthy, right? It feels that way. In the last month, did you, did you get a 50% raise at your company? No. Oh. So these guys are moving faster. Their stock prices are moving faster than analysts can say, well, we missed the $400 price target, so we better throw 450 on. Analysts tend to want to be within 15% of where the stock is currently. Their price targets are, are tied towards tweaking of, of, of spreadsheet numbers. But they're having a tough time keeping up with the marathon pace, the sprinter's pace that the tech stocks are, are employing right now. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Interesting times on Wall Street, right? Um, we're battling COVID, hospitalizations, deaths, um, testing, versus reopening the economy, versus, and again, I you, you feel for people. I was talking to a restaurateur yesterday, and she goes, California's going to shut us down again. They're getting ready to shut down our county again. Um, so there's going to be this rolling attitude, which psychologically sucks. Um, I just want to know, do I have a chance? I just want to know, am I doing this? I just want to know, like, so this, yes, no, yes, no. It, it changes the people have a real tough time with. AMC has reached an agreement to reduce debt by $630 million. You could invest in AMC. I'm going to say go ahead. I don't give a poop if you want to do it, do it. But I think you're going to lose your money. Um, a lot of people during times like this, and I just had a conversation with another friend. Um, you know, he doesn't understand that how, you know, companies are valued. The difference between 1 million shares of a company at $5 or 5 million shares at $1, it's the same exact thing. 
But when he sees the dollar, he's like, ooh, I can turn $1 into $2. So a lot easier they could turn 5 into 10 It's like the old, you know, someone who weighs 100 pounds could add 6% body weight. Someone who weighs 600 pounds, it's a little bit tougher to do it. That is fa- as quite as fast. So AMC is going to have a flawed model, in my opinion, for a long period of time. But they had it before this. Your TVs are getting bigger and better. I've got a TV that when I look at, I go, I can't believe how good that looks. I don't go for the 100-inch Costco stuff. No, no, no. I'd much rather have a nice 50, 55, 60-inch great screen. Um, <clears throat> bigger's not better. But I look at it and go, wow, I never have to go to the movie theater again. I would almost say it looks better. I probably am crazy, right? But I'm not looking for a cheap stock because <clears throat> that rarely is going to work out for you. Okay. Papa John's is fascinating. Here's a company I would consider investing in just because I, I love Americans. Now, I'm not going to. I would, I'm always going to defer to something like a McDonald's over a Papa John's, but I could certainly make a case for it, right? So Papa John's, and this is the fun thing about doing what I do, is you get to make cases for it. I was sitting on the couch this weekend. <clears throat> and at one point in time, there's a commercial for uh, getting a pizza. And they're calling it the Shacaroni. And it's the big man himself, Shaquille O'Neal, having a Shacaroni pizza, right? And you're like, that's kind of funny. That's actually cute marketing. He's had a, his whole career where he redeems things like Shaq Fu, Kung Fu into Shaq Fu. Um, cute, cute. But do you remember a couple years ago when the founder, John Shatner, used a racial slur on a national conference call? Lawsuits erupted. NFL players um, feuded with the company. There was the anthem, police brutality, black people, NFL, kneeling drama, the United States got deep into and Shatner goes on a conference call. Now, when I say Shatner, John Shatner, I'm not just saying William Shatner. I'm not talking Kirk. It's not Jim Kirk. Um, so activist investors moved in, get rid of the CEO, get rid of the founder who basically worked for Domino's in his career and just copied exactly what Domino's was doing, came up with the name Papa John's and turned into a multi, multi rich millionaire type of guy. So, that's a stock that's got its mojo back. It's really kind of interesting where replacing John Shatner with Shaquille O'Neal has kind of – well, he didn't yeah, – Shaquille O'Neal's not the CEO, but you get the idea. But with the vision of the company, they're pretty huge numbers. Um, so everything fell apart and everything's been put back together and it's better than ever as far as the stock price at Papa John's. It took three or four years to get back to where the numbers are really large and looking attractive again. But they've done a nice job. Now, part of it's been COVID. We know that <clears throat> you can slap pizza, throw some sauce on it, some cheese, put it in the oven. In the oven, 350 degrees, 400 degrees, 500 degrees, a million degrees, whatever it is, it's probably going to kill the germs, right? And that's what we think. Then we're going to put, pull it out with a slider, put it in a box. Nothing's going to get touched. They're going to put a sticker on it so the driver can't eat your toppings while he's driving it to your house. I know you're saying that's disgusting. It happens. Um, 
gets to your house and you're like, ta-da, food, dinner for the kids, and it's it's COVID-free. Everyone's a winner. Um, that COVID's really helped kind of pizza delivery services. So anyhow and anyway, I'm digressing. Uh, just I think it's a good story to see, you know, just to see if it applies to you and your portfolio. You would have had to wait three or four years to get made even if you had invested in the stock. But had you been opportunistic and bought more when it was down, it would have been a faster return maybe. There's also a good story inside that where John Shatner served as the company's CEO and chairman. <clears throat> he still remains to this day one of the top 10 shareholders. So by ousting him, it's actually worked out financially for him. <clears throat> but I know he's had a lot of identity problems and lawsuit issues with the company. It brings up the question on companies that have founders. And I can think of one immediate that comes to mind. I, I can actually think of two. Dorsey at Twitter and Square <clears throat> and Zuckerberg at Facebook. I know you're saying John Shatner is not those guys. Well, I think there is something to be said where you can come up with an idea, you can start the idea, you can launch the idea, you can IPO the idea. And at some point in time, Sergey Brin walks away from Google and turns over the, the reins to someone else. At some point in time, Steve Jobs, you know, hands the reins over literally on his deathbed, right? <clears throat> so it brings up the whole success failure starts at the top, but it also brings up the idea of uh, can your CEO grow into a bigger role? Or are they like a startup great? I'm pretty sure John Shatner did a great job starting up <clears throat> Papa John's. And we say congratulations to that. But when it got too big, it, do you remember how weird it was at one point in time? We looked on the Super Bowl and on the field, there is Papa John's running with the Super Bowl MVP, Peyton Manning. And they're carrying a cardboard pizza box together. Something like that is like this got a little weird. Maybe the, maybe the company, maybe the rules outgrows out them because the downfall is a pretty dramatic story. But again, it shows you um, CEOs as a publicly invested company where's your CEO's role? And are they kind of like front <clears throat> man or are they more of a operations guy? Tim Cook was the operations guy for a long time. Setting up the factories in Asia, setting up the supply chain in Asia. He was the man before he became the spokesman for Apple. So when he took over, we knew he probably wasn't going to have the flair of – Steve Jobs in quarterly calls, but we knew he could do the job from an operation standpoint, and we've been patient with a personality standpoint, and he's done pretty well with it. Anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Gilead Science is in the news. Um, this weekend, again, it was shown on some testing that Remsevere is doing well to stopping people from dying of COVID. Again, we don't know if it's a brain-eating disease, and in 10 years from now, whoops, we didn't see that coming. We don't know, but Gilead Science with Drimnistvir seems to be in a pretty good place. Um, Pfizer and BioNTech, um, both publicly traded. Pfizer is kind of a big, fat pharmaceutical company. Like They've got many, many, many drugs out there, so... One's not going to make or break them in theory, whereas a BioNTech, ticker symbol BNTX, 
if they don't get that one product they may go out of business in years to come as they pay scientists money to find cures, they need to come up with some cures. That's the simple idea, is it not? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Tesla's rocking higher today on theory that they could be rumored to be added to the SP 500. What that would work well with, just I have a friend who's like, oh, I want a short Tesla. It's just going too far too fast. It just it makes no sense when you take a look at their stock value versus their earnings. You're like, whoa, <clears throat> this is being we're really thinking Tesla is going to be a big thing. Um, they've reduced the price of their Model Y SUV by $3,000. They've cut prices the Model 3, Model S, Model X up to $5,000 in May. They're, <clears throat> that's a good thing and a bad thing. If you can get your product in more people's hands behind the wheel, good. Um, but you're going to be sacrificing short-term margins. And Are you sacrificing short-term profitability? So... Anyhow, um, the tax deductions, the incentives, and the gas savings um, become less attractive um, as politicians wrestle with, well, they're a big company. They're 10th most valuable company in the world. Like, they can do their own thing. They're 10th most valuable company in the United States. They don't need incentives. So... As they get more successful, it's going to get a little bit tougher. Anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Big webinar coming up this week. Hear it during the commercial. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. We're kicking off the second half of the year. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. He and I will be doing a webinar later this week. Don't have content from you yet, Chad, but what are you here to talk about today? Webinar, second half of the year. What do we got? Uh, Yeah, so some of the main points of the event. Um, I'll give you three and then we can talk about them in whatever order you want. We got in terms of retirement planning and how do you draw from a portfolio, One is that averaging out of a portfolio is not good enough. So in our 401ks, every two weeks, we're averaging into the market, right? Sometimes we're buying, most of the time we're buying higher because the stock market is positive about 70% of the time. 30% of the time, though, every two weeks, we're getting better prices on stocks or bonds, right? But averaging out of a portfolio isn't good enough. And the reason why is because you want to make sure that you have enough cash in the way that you pull income from your portfolio and the way that you rebalance has to make it last through corrections like one we, that we've just had, like 08, 09, like 2000 through 2002. So averaging out isn't good enough. Retirement costs more now as a result of all the stimulus. Um, and we may, we may look more and more at bond alternatives as we go through retirement planning going forward. <clears throat> retirement costs more because of stimulus. What does that mean, and how, how can people do anything about that? Well, the, the issue is, the biggest issue is, is that I'm not worried about stocks, Rob. In you know, okay. 15, 20-year cycles, I still think we average 10, 11%, just like we always have, right? Okay. And that's, you're, you're retired for you know, somewhere between 25 to 35 years, depending on your health. So I'm not worried about the long-term performance expectations for stocks. 
but bonds, interest rates stay at a certain level for a period of time because bonds get issued, you know, somewhere between, you know, five and 30 years. And so what bonds you own makes a difference. And the bonds that we all own these days are paying about a quarter of what people used to earn on bonds prior to 2007, prior to the first big round of stimulus, Fed intervention, and interest rates dropping to the historic lows that we see now. So traditionally, people used to invest 40% stock, 60% bonds. That all swapped. It was more like 60-40 is more the average these days. And of the 40%, your income is about a quarter of what it used to be in, in many cases. So that means what rates you're using to assume how long your money is going to last, it has to come down a little bit. So there's a slide that I use in a lot of presentations that gives example of a portfolio that needs a certain amount of income each year. And in this case, it's uh, I assume I go through this full example on the webinar. Um, a person needs $125,000 a year. It's a good, good amount of money for the Bay Area, right? That's that's a Bay Area example. They're getting $25,000 from Social Security, so they need 100 grand from their portfolio to last from age 65 to 100 at a at a basic rate of return, a conservative estimate, so you don't run out of money too soon. And based on what portfolios used to earn when they had, when interest rates on bonds were higher versus now it costs this person $130,000 more. They need 130 grand more in their portfolio, Rob, to support that same standard of living as these previous examples that we used to use prior to all of the stimulus. Um, so now I'm not saying rates might improve sometime in the future, but you know, in the next five to 10 years, I don't think we're going to see rates return to where they were in 2007 anytime soon. So let's talk about that a little bit. I know in retirement, a lot of people in when we were children, Chad, we saw like, oh, I bet I'll own a lot of bonds in retirement. I never really thought about bonds. I thought about government bonds when I was a baby. Some people give them as gifts for a baby shower. But I thought there's going to be a how should we be looking at bonds in retirement and bond alternatives now as an introduction? And we've got about two minutes. Well, yeah, so bonds in retirement, you still need them, even though they're not paying as much, you still need them because that provides that cushion when there is a downturn. It gives you something to uh, live off of in terms of some income, but if there's a downturn in stocks, bonds, especially the more intermediate and longer term government bonds will go up in value, you know, as people fly to safety. And so it gives you something to be able to sell and either live off of it or sell and buy more stocks when stocks dip. So it still provides that, that powder that you need to get through the tough times or to have something, if you're not pulling money from your portfolio yet, a um, little something to sell so that, man, when stocks go on sale by 20 or 30%, instead of freaking out and going to cash on everything, you should be trying to find something you can trim to go buy more stocks. Or if you need to live, and you haven't saved enough cash on the sidelines, you use your bonds as that source of income instead of selling stocks and locking in your losses. Because the stock market's gonna take really good care of you over time unless you sell because you panic or unless you sell because you have to put food on the table. Any last thoughts on active rebalancing and say <clears throat> averaging out of a stock or a position? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it all comes down to, I mean, first of all, going into retirement with more than you know, three or 4% in a single stock is, that's a lot of danger. So you definitely want to average out of that. Um, in, in terms of active rebalancing, you're always keeping an eye on that three years worth of portfolio draws in cash and figuring out how to wait a, a way to 
keep it at that level so that you can get through the, the tough times. And once you get that plan in place, it feels really good and it makes retirement a lot easier. Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. He's got a podcast that you can subscribe to easily. Uh, a new way of listening to it, the podcast page at newfocusfinancial.com has been updated. Um, it looks attractive. So you can find out more by going there. Their webinar this week, um, lots of stuff going on, of course, taking new clients. And hopefully, I think without getting dramatic, I, and I don't want to get dramatic here, we have to start thinking about alternatives in retirement now. It just that's where we're at. Not the, the way mom and dad retired is going to be different than the way you and I retire. And the way I thought I was going to retire 20 years ago is different than it is today. <laughs> so throwing that out there. Try to stay as open-minded as you can. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Markets are doing their thing again. It's, it's a weird teeter-totter of, on one hand, um, the economy is open back up. Not as strong as it was, but it's open back up. On the other hand, COVID issues. So... That's what we're going through. Earning season starts this week. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial.